You are listening to Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 FM low power, and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour, and here comes the sunrise. Yeah, yeah, so tomorrow is our um, global climate strike, and so um, we are hosting the event here in Nashville, but there are going to be young people striking um, from school and work um, all across the country um, and across the world, and so that is Friday, December 6th. And that is the Sunrise. That's one of our guests for today's show from the Sunrise Movement. So, Tom, take it away. What's, what, what else? My name is Tom Gross, and I'm here with co-host and fellow Vietnam vet, Jim Vogelmuth. <laughs> we are the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace by using our experiences and lifting our voices for the causes of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Our network is comprised of over 140 chapters worldwide. Our radio show is on stations across the country. We meet the second Tuesday of the month at the Friends Meeting House, 530 26th Avenue North in Nashville. Please join us. Remember, you can get a copy of the show by just going to our Facebook page. Just search Veterans for Peace Chapter 089 or SoundCloud. And please follow us on Twitter, VFP Radio Nashville or at VFP 89 Radio. Also, if you are a station online or on the air, and you would like us to send our show, just text your email to 703-403-6135. Also, this is new. If you have a question for us on the air, or an idea for another show, send us a text. Once again, 703-403-6135. We'll try to get to your questions while on the air. So Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartytennessee.org. Happenings. Happenings. Yeah, so you're going to talk about the climate strike briefly here? Yeah, let's do it. The climate strike is tomorrow, and that is the subject of our show, so stay tuned. Also, this is the time when Tom does his Watch This Space about happenings in Nashville, which often expand to communities across the nation, and I think that is what we have today. Um, So, Tom, go ahead. Um, We're going to have Carolina Sears and Lauren Hinman our guests and uh, interviewees. Uh, Just as a lead-in, I might mention the UN came out with a report in the last week. Uh, It's a little bleak for the planet. Greenhouse gas emissions have risen 1.5% a year for the last decade. Uh, Global temperature rise uh, is predicted to be 3.9 degrees centigrade by 2100. For you non-scientific folks, that's 7 degrees Fahrenheit. Bad news. 
and emissions must be cut by 7.6% each year for the next 10 years if we are going to make any kind of dent in this problem. So it's about lifestyle choices, but also the big hammer in the room is government policy and incentives. So here are our guests talking about this problem and what we can do about it. And so here's our interview with Carolina Sears and Lauren Hinman. Heinemann. I lead our political strategy um, team for the Sunrise Movement Nashville. Um, and so we are the local chapter of the national organization, the Sunrise Movement. It's a movement of young people organizing specifically around the Green New Deal um, and really just addressing the need for climate justice in this country. Um, we understand that we need um, bold government action in order to address the crisis that we're facing. And so we are a group of young people really mobilizing around um, you know, the need for action to protect our future. Um, and then Carolina. Oh, yes. So I'm Carolina Sears, and I am the communications team lead. And uh, Lauren described it perfectly. And uh, the only thing that I just want to highlight, too, is that I think the difference that uh, with Sunrise, as opposed to a lot of other uh, climate organizations, is that we have been really um, prioritizing frontline communities um, because the Green New Deal does that as well. And that includes indigenous communities, um, people of color, uh, rural communities, and um, where, you know, the industry has left them uh, and, you know, there isn't any alternatives to what they have in, you know, outside of coal jobs or um, fossil fuel-based jobs. So, yeah. Great. What do you got awesome. go? What do you got going on on Friday? Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow is our um, global climate strike, and so um, we are hosting the event here in Nashville. But there are going to be young people striking um, from school and work um, all across the country um, and across the world. And so that is Friday, December sixth. Um, and we have a couple events going on. One. Um, we really want to encourage students who are striking from school to come and have, um, you know, teachable moments and, and learning moments um, when they're not in the classroom. Um, and so we're hosting a teach-in. Um, so we will be meeting Friday morning at 1030 um, down behind the fairgrounds um, and, or sorry, not the fairgrounds, the National Farmers Market. Um, and all of this information can be found on our Facebook events if you just go to Sunrise Movement Nashville um, on Facebook. All of that's linked. But, um, we are going to have um, a rally at the State House where young people who have made the decision to strike from school are able to come and share their stories, um, explain what the climate crisis um, means to them and how it's affecting them and their lives and their communities, um, and also just join in that call to demand for government action. Um, and then after the rally, we're actually doing a series of teach-ins where we're going to talk about the history of strikes and movement history, specifically in the South and specifically in Nashville. Um, we're going to talk about nonviolent direct action as an organizing tool um, and ways to hold your representatives accountable. Um, you know, we're going to have movement songs and talk about the history of art um, and, and music in movements. And so it's going to be definitely like a learning, you know, a, a collaborative learning moment for anyone who wants to come and attend just to kind of share their stories about what the climate crisis means to them and, and kind of that call for action, but also just learning about 
how we have taken action in the past um, and kind of movement history. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And then um, that's until about 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon. Um, and then and in the evening – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to add that. I just think that I love that – I love what we're doing with the teach-in because – we are uniting these youth that are feeling very anxious about uh, the uh, impending climate and uh, climate issues that we're experiencing. And I just think that it will also provide them with some tools on how to, you know, share their narratives with other people and share their stories and also feel, you know, more hopeful than hopeless because there's a lot of resources on what you should be, what you could do, how you could spread the word, and how we can mobilize so that we can encourage our government to actually do something about it. And so I think that's just something that has been missing in the climate movement. And I'm, I'm glad, like, and I'm just really proud of the work that we've been doing uh, to fill that dirt, that gap that we're having. Um, in the evening, um, so still December 6th, at, um, I think you said 5.30, we're going to have people start to gather, and um, we're going to meet at Legislative Plaza again, and um, that's going to be not specifically geared to students, just really anybody in the community who is, you know, experiencing climate change in their own lives, is wanting to get involved, wants to share their stories, um, and so we're going to have quite a few um, local leaders um, there to speak. We are going to have music. People will learn movement songs. Um, so it's really going to be kind of a collective of bringing people together and trying to connect our communities. But it's also very much going to be, you know, like highlighting how scary what we're facing is. You know, this is not something that we take lightly. We see the science. We see what's happening um, with our futures, and we know what we're up against. And so this really is going to be kind of our collective Nashville community call to action um, for our local government. And we do have one big ask for them, and it's to declare a state of emergency. We had our last climate strike, um, oh gosh, when was that, September 20th? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, and um, asked that the mayor of Nashville declare a state of emergency, um, which creates the avenue for the city um, and the municipality to take their own action. We don't have to wait for the federal government and we don't have to wait for the state government. We can actually take action locally. So we're calling on our local leaders to do that. Now it's been quite a few months and we haven't seen any movement on that. Um, so we're asking again that the mayor and city council declare a state of emergency for Nashville and call the crisis what it is for one, but then also um, with that declaration of emergency, there are specific steps lined out about analyzing where the city's carbon emissions are um, and creating a plan for bringing the city to carbon neutral, um, which we have to do if we're, if we're going to respond on the scale of this crisis. We can't be waiting for the state. We can't be waiting for the federal government. We have power here in Nashville as a city, um, and so we're asking the city to kind of, you know, take that bold action now instead of waiting for, for other people to take action. Um, so those are kind of the big, the, the two big things that we have going on on um, on, the, on Friday, December 6th. Um, yeah, and we're just asking anyone in the community who wants to show up and, you know, learn here, meet other people. Um, that, that's one thing Carolina mentioned is that climate crisis um, and climate activism can be um, 
kind of individual. It can, it can feel very individualistic, like you're the only one who's trying to fight this. And we want to connect people because so many people are impacted and so many people want to get involved and, and want, you know, to call for a livable future. And, and everyone wants, you know, the, the future that they dreamed about. And so we want to connect people and give them real um, paths you know, real things that they can do that make a difference. Um, and so that's kind of the goal. So, yeah, anyone and everyone is 100% welcome. Um, you know, we want to see a huge showing. We want to bring people together. And it's going to be a really exciting event to be a part of. <laughs> All right. Now, let me ask you this. you got the strike tomorrow. you got the strike tomorrow. How is the word getting out to the high schoolers? And, and, well, let me ask you this. Is there going to be any repercussions coming back from administrations at, at the high schools or overall for the kids who decide, yes, I want to, uh, I want to participate in the strike? So that's two questions. How are you getting the word to high schoolers, and then there's going to be any, pro any, any problems for any of them to take off, just in case there's a mom or dad listening saying, oh, no, oh, no, they're going to count you absence, or no, you're going to be suspended, or whatever. So we've been getting the word out uh, pretty slowly throughout the year by contacting science teachers um, all throughout Middle Tennessee, mostly Nashville and Davidson County. Um, and offering, you know, a chance to speak to your classroom uh, for as long as you will let us about the climate crisis and, you know, and how you can do something about it as a young person who most of these people, like Lauren said, who can't vote. So they feel like they don't have power, but they do. And that's all a huge part of our discussion and our talks that we have in the high schools um, and middle schools. I too, we've been, mm -hmm. you know, trying to target, you know, all, all ages. Um, and so that's how we've been getting the word out and, you know, sharing that with them. Um, also, we've, you know, there's a couple private schools that have, you know, been uh, like Montessori schools that have been very supportive too. It really is a case by case. And so that's how the word has also been get out, getting out. But also social media is a big thing um, with the youth, as you may know. And so, um, you know, it, it's getting media attention. Um, all over the world, and so I, and, and it's something that is concerning to youth. So, and I think that's been helping a lot too to getting people to come to our events. Um, yeah, and then we've also, um, I, I mean, a lot of this is we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, we're a movement of young people. We have member, you know, have members that are high schoolers that are spreading the word among their friends and their networks. You know, and so that's. I mean, that's how people have been organizing for generations. Um, and so we're doing, you know, very similar things, having students talk about, you know, how much are they willing to risk? Um, and so this kind of gets into your next question, Jim, about, um, you know, repercussions. Um, but students are making that decision themselves about how much they're willing to risk, um, either through doing, you know, a full-on strike from school, not attending, taking a sick day, um, walking out at a certain point. Um, some students are doing a silent strike, you know, maybe if their um, school is, if, if they do have certain repercussions um, where they're not able to actually leave, we have students who have a placard that they'll put on their desk and they're not talking all day. And so every, anything that you can do that will bring awareness um, helps the movement. Um, but we have also been working with the city council. Now, anytime you take 
um, you know, action and, you know, something like striking from school for a cause um, would fall into that category is there are going to be risks. So we encourage everyone to understand what those are. However, we have been working with the Davidson County School Board um, to get this approved. So we will have permission slips at the event. Um, and so if students come, stay the whole time. We are giving them a permission slip that they're able to take back to their school so that the, the school knows where they were. Um, now, different schools are going to approach that differently, whether they count it as um, an excused absence or, you know, whatever that looks like. So um, we can't say for certain, like, there will be no repercussions um, as far as absences go, but we are trying to make sure that the school board has sanctioned this where there won't be, like, punitive action, where these students aren't getting detention or aren't, you know, getting, like, punitive retaliation for exercising their right to strike. Um, because it is so. an educational experience at the end of the day. They're going to learn about nonviolent movements as a teacher. They're going to learn about, you know, um, how to write your narrative or how to, you know, speak your narrative, which, you know, is some speech skills. They're also going to learn about the history of nonviolent movements in our country. Another history lesson. They're going to learn a lot. And so it's not just, you know, we're going to, you know, march around and carry signs. It's going to be that too, but it's also going to be a lot of learning and a lot of sharing. And it's not, I should, it's a productive time. So, uh, yeah, and, and that's what why, great oh, go ahead. College admission essay um, about, you know, striking from school for your future and for climate justice. I mean, you know, these, this is real life experience, you know, that these students are able to participate in. Um, so, yeah, we, we are working with the school board, but um, yeah, we, we're, we're encouraging people to stretch themselves and, and strike from work and strike from school and, you know, because that's why strikes work, you know, is because it, it puts a strain on the institutions and, and that's how we make a difference. And I just want to like emphasize that we haven't gotten like, official word from the school board or from city council that they would like, you know, because for instance, um, at the last strike, the city of New York, um, the school board, and I think the uh, city officials said that like all public schools, um, any students who strike, they'll get an ab um, excused absence, and they won't be, you know, they're not allowed to have any, um, uh, you know, uh, repercussions from that. Uh, we don't have that sort of sanction right now, but we're building the relationships um, with, you know, uh, the school board, and we're building the relationships with city council so that maybe, you know, this isn't the last strike. Um, we're striking again in April 20. Uh, April 2020, I think it's April 22nd, 2020, on Earth Day. Um, very important day to strike. Um, so we're building mm -hmm. towards that understanding. And so, um, but the school board is aware of what we're doing. They have a copy of our curriculum and they're aware of the permission slips. And, um, and we're just gonna, we're gonna work together and build that relationship so that, you know, um, more and more people who feel like they can't risk striking can in the future, hopefully. And we are so getting be, our Facebook events updated on this, and so as soon as we have work with the school board or if anything changes, that will always be, you know, the most up-to-date thing to take a look at where we're going to be meeting um, and, and any other, like, important information for okay. now. So there's the update, at, including the strike in the morning for the students in the evening at 5.30 at Legislative Plaza, and it's okay. Well, it's part of a decision-making that the students are going to make. I know I'm, I'm going to take my granddaughter. Uh, 
So then we asked about what we could do right now and in the future, which led to a great explanation about how climate is interconnected with every issue. So don't let anybody say we've got other things to worry about. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, do you want us to make calls? Do you want us to write emails? or? Yes, we want to make phone calls, emails. Um, so the council members and the mayor have been doing uh, coffee every month in different districts. So even just showing up to that and you know, asking Mayor Cooper in person or asking your council person in person, you know, well, where are we going with, like, you know, you have this document about the climate emergency. Where are we going with this? What are you doing with this document? And just so that, you know, the mayor knows that this is something that we are not going to let go. Like this, because this is, um, mm -hmm. you know, our future. And so, you know, there's many ways to get involved but, you know, besides writing uh, to your council person and mayor, calling uh, the, uh, their offices, and finally just, you know, going to their local events and asking them, you know, what's the progress been on this? Do you have any council members that would be willing to sponsor a resolution yet? Not yet. We have met with a number of council people, but um, I think a showing of community support would be, you know, great. Um, and, and our kind of question is, the, the people in power that we've met with, they recognize that this is an emergency. So how much worse do we need to let the, the climate crisis get before they take action? You know, what's, do, Nashville is going to be in Tornado Alley. You know, we're already having record heat days. We already have, you know, declining air quality. So when, where do they draw the line? Why is it not an emergency now? Why are they not taking action? Um, and so really we're, we're asking them. So we, we have some council people that have, have seemed aligned, but no one's stepped up and, and decided to sponsor this resolution and, and bring it to the floor. Um, and then we've also, the mayor has the ability to do this through, you know, his own, like the, the mayor can declare this emergency. Um, it's completely within his power. And some city officials will say, you know, we have a lot of problems in Nashville. We have, you know, I mean, a lot of people know, are aware of our budget that's in major trouble. Uh, we have, you know, teachers that are underpaid. We have infrastructure that we need. Uh, I don't, I can't really focus on the climate emergency right now because we have all these other problems. And what we're trying to say to these uh, city officials is that, this is a meta problem. This is, we have to view all the problems we have in Nashville through the lens of climate because it is affecting all of those things. And for that, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, education is actually a green job. It doesn't, um, it doesn't contribute to greenhouse emissions and it's, you know, it's something that's important to a Green mm -hmm. New Deal economy. And there are so many other um, issues that are affected, that they're concerned about. You know, there are a lot of people that are concerned about immigration. Again, climate's affecting um, what, you know, how people are moving in this world. And so what we're saying is, yes, we recognize that this is a problem, but it's an intersectional problem, and that it's something that has to, you know, be the lens that we look through when we're looking at all the problems that we have in Nashville right now. Yeah, well, it's human think, survival uh, trumps everything, doesn't it? Excuse the pun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that we recognize, and, and as Charlie mentioned earlier, Sunrise has really 
put a focus and an importance in addressing the fact that climate justice, you know, it really is such an intersectional issue of socioeconomic background, of race, of education status, um, and communities that are marginalized in our society anyways, um, you know, for, for many different reasons, are at the front lines of these extremely hazardous and dangerous climate, you know, like the climate change, all of these negative effects. Is, are hitting certain communities. Um, so a lot of what we can do when we prioritize the communities that we've typically forgotten or exploited um, or overlooked, um, things like public transit, you know, or investing in education, you know, like you look at zip codes and you can see air quality um, decline. So I mean, it's very clear that if, if we're investing in these communities from a climate aspect, we're also hand-in-hand hand investing in these communities' future and in, and in people of Nashville's future. So that's what we're asking is this investment. You know, we, we need better air quality. We need more tree cover. We need better schools. We need public transit. You know, we need more access to health care. And all of that is so interconnected with the climate crisis. So it's, it's a false choice, you know, when, when our elected officials are telling us that we have to pick one or the other. Um, it really, it's disingenuous and it's, that's not the like. That's not the truth. We can do do all of it. We just need bold, drastic action, and we need leaders that are going to be bold enough and have the courage to do that. Well, I think I think you just answered the question I'm going to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If the mayor or if the council did designate a climate crisis in Nashville, what would they then require the city to do? What? How would it? How would it change? Yeah, um, so we have a couple of suggestions, um, but one of the, the first trigger that the declaration of emergency, um, the first thing it would trigger would be an independent commission. Um, so like a separate office to actually analyze the carbon emissions of the city, not just the city buildings, not just like municipal buildings. Um, so we've had some confusion with a slate of bills that passed earlier this year um, that brought city buildings and the city fleet of vehicles down to net zero by, I believe it was 2050. Um, that's less than 5% of Nashville as a whole emissions. So yeah, it's great that we're addressing things that the city owns, um, but that's less than 5% of our overall carbon footprint. So that's just nowhere near enough. Um, so this would be a commission that would actually analyze where our carbon emissions are coming from, where our negative climate impacts are coming from, and actually coming up with what we can do to address it. Um, we have not, we have some of that data. We haven't done, like as a city, a whole comprehensive overview, but we know that transit is a huge piece of that. Um, so comprehensive transit. We also know that um, NES gets a bulk of its energy from coal and from TVA. Yeah. And so we have a lot of buying power with NES where we could, um, you know, leverage that and actually invest as a city in solar or wind or hydro, you know, something that's going to be not only carbon neutral, but also a great investment for the city, you know, instead of buying electric from TVA, because at the end of the day, coal is a dying industry and we have to invest in renewables because we just, we're, we're federally subsidizing coal and it's not sustainable. Um, we can't afford it, we can't afford to continue being coal reliant. 
Um, our planet can't afford it. You know, our lungs can't afford it. Um, but so there's, those are two things that, you know, we just kind of have identified without having that independent commission. There's also things mm -hmm. like retrofitted government housing, um, which is, you know, Carolina can speak probably a little bit more to this. Um, but there are things where we can invest as a city in the housing and in the buildings that we already have to make them, you know, have better energy standards and make them, you know, cleaner um, consumers and then also just a better places to live. Um, so, yeah, we, we have quite a few options, but those are kind of our, our, first, our first things that we would suggest that we look at. And good. Lauren, did a really good. Good, Lauren did a really good job of encapsulating that. And the only thing that I just wanted to add was that um, also, you know, we do have, you know, you, there's a lot of developers in Nashville, and they do have to get building permits from the city, and they have to fulfill, you know, city code. And, you know, there is a potential to look at the city code and, you know, look and make it more green uh, and make it more energy efficient. Because, I mean, that's, and I don't have the data right in front of me, but I surmise that, you know, another, another contribution to, um, to greenhouse gas emissions and just, you know, um, what's happening um, in our city is a lot of the development that we're experiencing. Um, and so I think just, you know, kind of holding uh, the people who are, you know, developing in the city accountable for what they are putting in our city um, and mm -hmm. how they are getting their energy, for sure. How do we how do we hold them accountable? Uh, building codes. Um, yeah. you know, they don't have to come. They have to come to the city. You know, you know when people even when they when they want to get a different zoning, they have to go to city council. Um, I, I think if you go if you've ever been to a city council meeting, it's like a lot of it is about zoning. And a lot of people are wanting to switch, you know, residential to commercial. And, you know, it would be wonderful if we could, you know, be more mindful about, you know, the businesses that we are supporting and giving these permits to and, um, and the code that we are writing to, um, you know, make it more, I guess the term is LEED um, certified, which is like that gold standard of um, how, like, uh, green energy, basically, and how your building is. Uh, structured. So it sounds like the council, yeah, it sounds like the council is is one of the keys to this uh, this getting this done. Yeah, sorry, Lauren, you wanted to say something? Yeah, yeah, no, so it's definitely the council. And one thing um, that Carolina kind of brought up and that I just want to highlight is just such an overarching theme when we talk about climate change and, you know, like the, the future we're, we're looking at is we talk about these developers, you know, who are not using the highest clean energy development standards. It's this consistent theme of privatizing profits and subsidizing costs. So these companies are able to get these zoning permits because the city is relinquishing some of its power to these developers and saying, yes, I'm going to allow you to develop, you know, and, and use these substandard conditions when it comes to the environmental impact and that in turn gives us poorer air quality you know it's we're, we're ending up having to subsidize as a city 
you know, with people's health insurance costs, you know, with, with children's asthma, you know, with their inhalers. I mean, with our water filtration, you know, and water treatment, like all of these have costs associated with them that aren't tangible physical dollars, but that's put out on the communities around. And I think the people of Nashville specifically are seeing some frustration when you hear about, you know, oh, we're this booming tourist economy. We have all these jobs and all these people moving here. You know, but we're not seeing the reward. People are seeing, you know, their schools not being invested in. You know, we're, we're not investing in our infrastructure. We don't have comprehensive transit. You know, and so as, but, but we have more cranes on the skyline than any other city. You know, so there's this disconnect where these developers are able to continue developing and continue getting these permits because we're not holding them accountable. We're not raising the bar and telling them that in order to play in Nashville, you have to meet certain standards. And then it's the people who live here who are dealing with those costs. And so that's just so consistent throughout the climate crisis. And that's what we're trying to kind of bring to awareness. You know, we have a lot of power with city council. Nashville is an in-demand place to be. And so let's start looking at what we can do. Let's start setting, you know, some certain expectations and, and holding these businesses accountable to meet those. So we should be going to city council meetings. Yeah. We, sh we should be going to city council meetings and raising hell. City Council yes. meets every first and third Tuesday, um, and I believe they start around six, but there's committee meetings before. Um, yeah, and they're open to the public. Um, once a month, there is a public comment. I believe that's on the third Tuesday, but don't. Um, but everything can be found online. Yeah, and our city council people should be accessible. You know, they're, they're people, you know, who live in your community, and, and their emails are public, you know, and you can call them and request meetings, and so, they do have a lot of power over what happens in the city. And so building a relationship with your city council person um, and letting them know that you care and that you recognize that they have the ability to do something, I mean, that goes so, so far. So lots of energy from these two young ladies. And just a reminder, 5.30 tomorrow at Legislative Plaza and 10.30 at Bicentennial Park for the students, but 5.30 at Legislative Plaza for the adults. So... You know, they've only been in existence in February, so I asked them, have you had any successes? And yes, they have. Yeah, so we had a very big year. Um, you know, Sunrise has only been around since, uh, Sunrise Nashville has, has only been around since uh, February and was a huge part of the, they, they contributed a lot to, you know, the energy bill package going through. Um, so I would count that as a major success. Another big part was that we had a pretty successful climate strike. Uh, we had, I think, three uh, back on the 20th, I think we had 300 people, 200 to 300 people, uh, mostly youth, at Legislative Plaza at lunchtime. And that was very impromptu um, and wasn't, you know, wasn't part of Sunrise's uh, organization, but then we, we kind of stepped in to help organize it um, because there was some confusion about it, but uh, who was leading the event? But I feel I, I feel like we could claim that success because we, you know, helped um, or helped, you know, make it orderly and kind of develop the program on the fly for that event. Uh, but the evening strike was also super successful uh, because we had about 700 people there, 
And I think that Sunrise Movement Nashville has grown exponentially since then. It's to the point where we were meeting in the basement of Nashville Peace and Justice. We had to move to the Global Education Center because we couldn't fit all the people that would want to go comfortably. And so um, the numbers are increasing, which is what we need in order to, you know, let public officials and let people who have the power right now <laughs> to say, you know, that this is what we need. And so we need people power and we're, we're generating it. So I think that's major. We also were, we were chosen by Sunrise Movement National to lead um, the Southern Summit at the end of September, um, where about, I think, 250 to 300 um, uh, students mostly, um, you know, uh, youth came to Nashville and received uh, training, uh, very similar training to what Lauren mentioned uh, for the teaching that we're going to have on Friday, where they learned about the history of nonviolent uh, movements and how to, you know, protest and how to, you know, engage, uh, you know, the, with the media and try to build your own narrative, how to control your narrative, as we were speaking before. So that was major. And then uh, leading up to just recently, uh, a week or so, a few weeks ago, uh, Jim Cooper did finally endorse the Green New Deal, but I'm not calling that a success. And there's a few reasons for that, because we had been trying to meet with him for a very long time. Um, I think we met, uh, I think we, uh, a few of our people had met with him in February, um, and I think, and then another time, and they were told, you know, they were just, they weren't, there wasn't much movement on it, basically. They were told to read some books, and, you know, um, and we were told that, you know, Jim Cooper, I'm great on climate, and, you know, this is not like a priority for me right now. So because of that, we had put a lot of pressure on Jim Cooper in the past year. Um, Lauren herself, uh, while we had a uh, direct action after our climate summit, uh, walked in um, to Jim Cooper's office with another uh, Sunriser um, and offer and handed over, you know, a Green New Deal endorsement and uh, was trying to speak to Jim Cooper, but was only able to get, what was it, the chief of staff, Lauren? Yep, yes, you were the chief of staff. Um, myself and other Sunrisers have gone to the office when he's been on recess and when we know he's been in Tennessee to try to speak with him. And I also know that we um, have been trying to schedule a meeting with him. Um, but it, so, so he, we, he just really wasn't listening to us. And the narrative that we've been hearing is that it was Al Gore that convinced him um, when he was in town uh, recently. And it just, it's, Frustrating because the data that Al Gore presented to him was probably very similar to the data that we presented to Jim Cooper. And there were a lot of us trying to convince him, and it took Al Gore, um, not his constituents that he should be listening to, for him to endorse the Green New Deal. So, um, but we're, we're, we're pleased that he has finally recognized it, but at the same time, it's just almost, um, it's frustrating. And then on the other mm. hand, too, is he, he had language in, the, uh, in his support for uh, the Clean Economy Act. Is that what was it called, Lauren? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he wanted, he was saying he wanted to support, he wanted to lower the emissions by 2050, and that's not quick enough. And if you read this language of this act that he was supporting, um, it's just not bold enough. It's not, you know, treating the climate emergency 
that we are experiencing right now with the urgency and the action that we need. And so, um, so it's frustrating, but also at the same time, you know, there is some success to that. You know, the, you know, the Green New Deal wouldn't have even been part of the conversation if it wasn't for Sunrise Movement National and what a lot of the hubs around the country have been doing, including Nashville. So at the very least, it's brought up, you know, youth have been bringing that topic up to, you know, the public's consciousness. And, um, and, and, and even like, even Al Gore said so himself on stage when he was in Nashville, that we have an important role and we have a lot of power to inspire and to um, encourage action on this. And so Al Gore said, Al, yeah. Al Gore said that sun, the Sunrise Movement has a lot to say and a lot of power. He was referring to you guys. I don't know if it was Sunrise Movement, but he was saying the youth climate movement. The youth, which the, okay. Yes. So, All right. Uh, yeah, so and I that's think, one thing that we're kind of seeing, like, across the country and across, across the globe is this idea that youth don't vote or youth don't care. Um, we're really trying to reshape that. I mean, there's so many different youth-led climate-focused movements. And so a lot of what we're doing, like we don't act in a silo. We're in coalition, you know, with other youth climate activism movements. So we have Fridays for Future. We have Extinction Rebellion. Sunrise Movement is a big lead. Sierra Club's been around for, you know, as long as I can remember doing similar work. So there's, like, we really are a coalition of groups that are all kind of fighting this fight in different ways, um, but all with that same common goal. And so a lot of what we're seeing is that we are reshaping this conversation. Um, and so if you look at things like nationally, there's a lot of pressure where every major Democratic presidential um, candidate has signed on to a Green New Deal. Um, now, you know, we could talk about what that means and, you know, the, how much we trust that um, with different candidates. But um, I think it does show a lot that we're changing the conversation and that youth are, are becoming activated. And so we as a hub are doing a lot in Nashville, um, but we have over 260 hubs across the nation, all who are pressuring their representatives and their congresspeople um, you know, we're, we're joining with labor unions. Um, the SEIU has called for a Green New Deal. Um, so, I mean, this really, you know, when we talk about it being an intersectional movement, um, that's been a big part of our success is that we are able to partner with other groups and push this narrative, you know. And so when, when we have a representative sign on to the Green New Deal, um, we do celebrate that, and we're excited about that, and we want to view it in a positive way. Um, some, with Nashville being such a progressive center um, of Tennessee, you know, and people looking at, at the, the demographics in Nashville as being more progressive, more liberal, you know, more left-leaning, whatever you want to call it, um, it is a little bit kind of what Carolina said, frustrating to see are leaders who are not at the forefront of this fight, who are one of the last ones to sign on to an extremely popular um, resolution. You know, we're, we do have representatives who aren't aligned with the people they represent. Um, and so we are a little bit, you know, frustrated that it, it's taken so long. 
Um, but we do have an opportunity for Representative Cooper to now we've had the first actual piece of legislation come out where it's this Green New Deal housing bill, you know, for affordable housing. And I think we can all agree that Nashville needs affordable housing. So this is a perfect opportunity, you know, whether it's Al Gore or the Sunrise Movement, you know, or his own prayers to God, you know, whatever it is that's going to push our representatives <laughs> to kind of get on board with what the people of the city want. I think we all understand that we need climate action and we need climate justice. And affordable housing is a phenomenal first step for him to take. You know, he can be an early adopter of this affordable housing um, Green New Deal bill. Nashville needs it. Um, so that's a, a perfect opportunity now that he's on board with the Green New Deal for him to step up and, and be a bold leader. Um, and so we're always, we recognize that we got into this crisis you know, because of a lack of government action and because of, you know, corporations and, you know, kind of our extractive way of living. Um, and, and in order to address that, we have to be radical. We have to be bold. We have to take on, you know, these massive corporations and say, you cannot keep poisoning our air and our water and harming our people and destroying our planet. This is all we have. Um, and when it's gone, it's gone. And so we have opportunities to do that. And, and I don't think there's any person in Nashville who would say that we don't need affordable housing. I mean, you know, so, so we have opportunities mm -hmm. for our leaders to step up. So, you know, that's kind of what we're, we're calling on. You know, we, we expect bold action from yeah. our elected officials. Does that bill have a number yet? Ooh, good question. I'm sure it does. I'd have to look that up. Okay. All right. Well, get get back to us and let us know, or I can look it up too. Now, let me ask you this: um, Where do you come down? Are you optimistic, or I hate to say desperate, but you're young people, and you can see what's going on, and you know, you know, the data's out there. Anybody who's talking about a goal for 2050 is really not paying attention because. It, it was a couple of years ago when that report came out that said we have 12 years. You do the math, that's 20, 2030, or or the books well, are cooked. The UN report that just came out basically says that if, if you want to avoid a total catastrophe in the next 30 years, they they have to uh, increase their effort, which is not met yet by fivefold at least, if they want to avoid a uh, three centigrade, centigrade increase in temperature. So yeah, it's a big change that has to happen and it has to happen uh, a lot faster than 2050. Um, so, all right, so are, are you guys optimistic? Are you optimistic that you can get these I, changes made? Yes. Oh, you, you, you alluded to that question before. Are we desperate or are we optimistic? We're both. Yeah. So because there is a lot, you know, there is a lot of the line here. And, you know, it's so funny because um, I was on a news, call in news show and somebody was saying, you know, saying, you know, everybody thinks the world's going to end every year. You know, we need to just, you're just being so dramatic. And here's the thing. Yes. The world's not going to end in 2030, but it's not going to be a very pleasant world to live in if we don't change what we are doing, you know. And so we are desperate because, um, you know, I remember, Jim, was it your granddaughter that said, you know, I want the future that, you know, you all had. 
Yeah. That's important. And so, you know, there's that. So that, that's, that's what sounds desperate to me. But at the same time, we do have to remain optimistic. And I think that's a huge part of the Sunrise Movement DNA and that we have to, you know, we sing songs at our meetings and we sing songs at our events because that, you know, builds optimism and hope. Um, you know, we believe that this could happen. And a huge part of the reason why we believe this could happen is because we're patterning a lot, patterning a lot about the Green New Deal from the New Deal back during the Great Depression. And that did a lot to uplift our country and really, you know, did a lot to improve our country. So we can do it again, for sure. And we can do it better. So I think we are definitely optimistic and we're definitely desperate. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and All right. It's been um, a little bit of a, a turn in, in the climate movement. And as I completely agree with everything Carolina said. And then um, I'll also add that if you come to our event, you know, listen to the people who are speaking, interact with some of these young people who are going to be in Sunrise Movement t-shirts. And I mean, it's such an impressive coalition of activated young people who recognize the power that they have, the power in their voices and in their stories. Um, and I mean, really, it's an incredibly inspiring group of people that Carolina and I get to work with all the time. Um, uh-huh. And so it, it really is it, it, it keeps us going, you know, and it, it keeps that optimism and hope there because these are not, I mean, these are young people, some who are organizing and they aren't even old enough to vote yet, you know, and they understand what's happening. They recognize even without the power to vote, they still have power over their representatives. And so it's an, an incredible group of young people who have come together um, and they're fighting just as much for their own future as they are for everyone around them. I mean, we are centering um, so many different communities in this fight. And so watching how selfless and just intelligent and aware, um, you know, and, and powerful the, the people of Sunrise Movement are, um, you know, it's really amazing. And it's, it is easy to keep going, you know, it makes it a lot easier because, we are scared and we are desperate for action, um, but in a way of, you know, we, we know what we deserve um, and we know that we have the tools to address this crisis. We know that technology exists. Um, we're able to do this. And so now we know exactly what to do. We have a path forward. We have our strategy to win and we're executing it. And we're generating people power. Like the numbers have been increasing steadily. And the people who are concerned about this issue, who have been showing up to strikes all around the world, and I think you know it's just going to you know as you know as the data becomes more known and as everybody becomes more educated about it, the numbers can only increase. So of course we're in a political season. So I asked who they liked, and so I just want you to listen to the pauses. They kind of speak for themselves. So you were mentioning the political candidates and uh, the presidential candidates, and you uh, just alluded to, and I don't know about who we would trust. Well, who do you trust? Do you trust anybody? (laughs) Um, You know, I think... um, I think you can always tell who people work for when you look at their donors. Um, So that's one of the things that um, we have been aware of when we look at the people who are representing us on a local, state, and federal level. Um, Knowing where they get donations is a pretty good indicator of who they're going to work for. Um, 
But honestly, you know, we're, as a movement, and, and so this, you know, kind of not to get too off topic, but as a movement, we're looking at potentially endorsing presidential candidates. And so we've created a whole scorecard looking at how any candidate talks about the Green New Deal, talks about climate justice and climate action. And so I think overall as a movement, that's a pretty good indicator of how we make our friends um, and who we choose to trust. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that people's records matter, um, but people are always able to change. So if we have representatives who are standing and taking bold action um, that addresses the crisis at the scale and size and speed that we need to address it, um, we want to support those people. If we have people who have a great record of climate but maybe aren't taking a bold stance, you know, that's something that we need to look at. But at the end of the day, this, this is going to need bold government action, and we recognize that. And so part of our strategy to win is that um, we need to elect leaders who are going to govern with, you know, like the climate crisis at the center of all of their policies, you know, who are going to step up and be committed. And so um, we have the opportunity for our incumbents to prove that they're able to do that. And we also have the opportunity as a constituency to put people in power and in office who share our values. And so, um, you know, we kind of, we, we don't make enemies. We don't make permanent friends. You know, I mean, our, we are specifically a movement about addressing the climate crisis. And so, you know, we, we are trying not to be partisan. You know, we're, that looks different where hubs are allowed to kind of operate how they want. You know, we're not like mm -hmm. a linear, you know, one decision-making body. I mean, we make the decisions for what works for Nashville and, um, you know, Lexington makes the decisions for what works for Lexington, Kentucky and D.C. Um, so we do operate with some autonomy, but really the idea is that we will support um, officials who are going to address this crisis because that is the number one priority. Yeah, well, you did a great job of of, of uh, avoiding saying a name, and that's that's awesome. That was very well done. I will say that the the last time on a on a presidential debate when they were talking about climate change and Buttigieg gave out the the goal of 2050, I just sat there and shook my head and thought, "You're a young man. What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. You must be on a different planet. So I will let you figure it out, but from their description, there's really only one person on that stage that I can tell that has the history and the boldness, but that's just me. All right, some last words from these two young ladies. Um, just everybody turn out for the strike. That, you know, we're, we're showing people power, and at the event, we are going to be get, getting people next steps to get involved. Um, so it doesn't just stop when we strike. Um, there are so many different ways to get involved, um, whether you have time to offer um, for our allies that are not, you know, young people who are, are wanting to get involved. Um, we are accepting donations because we do have to fund these events. Um, so our Facebook is the easiest way to find all that. Um, but I think that would be the biggest thing is, you know, this, we're not in this alone if, if you are wanting to take action in the face of the climate crisis, you know, we want to have a role for you. 
Um, and so there are so many different ways to support the work that we're doing. Um, so check our Facebook page and kind of see, keep up with what we're up to. Um, but yeah, also just kind of, Jim, you mentioned a number of times, like exercising your power and your democracy, calling your school board official, calling your city council member, calling your federal representative. Um, you know, if you're in Nashville, calling Jim Cooper and encouraging that um, support for the uh, affordable housing bill that's, um, that's been proposed. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a number of ways that this point kind of take action. And okay. at, the very least, you, at yeah. the very least, you should just, you should be, you know, um, telling your friends all over the country and all over the world about the climate movement if you can, you know. There are so many wonderful organizations outside from Sunrise Movement that you could get involved with. Um, if there isn't a hub there or if you want to get involved with Sierra Club, Citizen Climate Lobby, uh, Fridays for Future, like just just get involved and just or be, and be aware of you know what is happening in the um, around the world of with this climate movement. So there they were, and uh, of course their Facebook page for the Nashville area is Sunrise Movement Nashville, or just or you go- can punch in your zip code. And yeah, get you there. Yeah, and um, you know they've got a website, and and you can go to sunrisemovement.org. no matter where you are in the country listening to this show. And so uh, as far as a closing song, they recommended something from the Sunrise Singers. But Tom, any any last last words? I would say go to the rallies and God save us. (laughs) God save us. And remember, it's 530 at Legislative Plaza for the um, adults. And for students, it's 10.30, 10.30 in the morning. So walk out of uh, school, get your um, permission slip when you get there and so that you're good to go when you come back. Yeah, and learn some of the facts and figures because one yeah. of the things w- when we educate, we hope to uh, have evidence count. Yeah. And, and that's important in this debate. Evidence. Yeah. Have evidence count. We could we could use so much of that in so many places these days. Absolutely. So, yeah. and remember that the climate is just not a singular issue; it is connected to everything. So, don't let your council person say, "Well, what do you want to do? The climate or?" So, anyway, from the Sunrise Singers, it is time to rise up. We gonna rise up, rise up till it's one. We gonna rise up, rise up till it's one. When the people rise up, the powers come down. When the people rise up, the powers come down. They try to stop us, but we keep coming back. They try to stop us, but we keep coming back. We gonna rise up, rise up till it's one. We gonna rise up, rise up till it's one. When the people rise up, the powers come down. When the people rise up, the powers come down. They try to stop us, but we keep coming back. They try to stop us. But we keep coming back. We gonna rise up, rise up till it's one. 
We don't rise up, rise up till it's one.